Stand clear of the closing doors, please. You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for strap hangers. Harry felt his nose break. Blood spurted everywhere. That's from my father. Now, let's see. Malfoy drank the cloak out from under Harry's immobilized body and threw it over him. I don't reckon they'll find you till the train's back in London, he said quietly. See you around, Potter. Or not. I'm Heather Pricewright. And I'm Alex Dallenberg. And welcome once again to Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. We are really jetting through this book. We're like in the hundreds of pages now. Also, you guys, we just saw A Star is Born and maybe we should turn this into a Star is Born podcast because we have a lot of thoughts on that too. But the main thought is that we cannot get fucking shallow out of our heads. Harry is in the deep end. Watch as he dives in. He will never touch the ground. Meet the ground. He'll never meet the ground? Yeah, you haven't been listening to it on repeat the way I have. That movie is problematic as fuck. Harry is far from the shallow now. Boy, oh boy, is the song good. Lady Gaga is... And Bradley Cooper sounds like he has gravel in his mouth. (laughs) It's just half the movie is Sam Elliott and Bradley Cooper just mumbling my old man to each other. (laughs) But we're (laughs) not here. (laughs) We're not here to talk about A Star is Born much as we want to. We are here to talk about the chapters called The Slug Club and Snape Victorious. You will hear, I guess... Maybe spoilers for A Star is Born. That movie's been made five times, so if y'all don't already know how it ends, like, I don't know what to tell you. Alternate title for Philosopher's Stone, A Scar is Born. (laughs) Wait. Harry Potter, A Scar is Born. Okay, um, you will also hear cursing and some adult themes. In addition to addiction and the perils of celebrity and why the fuck did they let Bradley Cooper direct a movie. This week's adult themes are Bradley Cooper was fine. I'm he just was being, fine. It I'm was well directed. Mean, I'm being mean for the fun of it. <laughs> this week's adult themes are groupies, icebreakers, crying wolf, overhead compartments, and job promotions. Alex, not a ton, but uh, what happened this week? Yeah, not that much actually happened. So I think for once I can get through it in one minute. Okay. And I'm gonna time myself. Ready and go. In this week's chapters, everybody catches the train back for the... Everyone catches the Hogwarts Express back to uh, Hogs... Back to Hogwarts. There's the first meeting of the Slug Club, and it is awkward AF. This guy, Belby, chokes on some fucking pheasant. But then Slughorn, like, does magical Heimlich maneuver. Harry spies on Draco in... The Slytherin compartment under cover of the invisibility cloak. But then when all the Slytherins leave, Draco, realizing that Harry's in the compartment, curses him and he falls on his and he falls out and then stomps him in the face. Uh, luckily though, Tonks is there to save him. He heads back into Hog he heads back late to the feast in Hogwarts. Uh Snape has been promoted to Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, and no one is taking Hagrid's class, and that's what happens in this week's chapters. Wow. With two seconds to spare. Oh, that's the alarm. <laughs> um, 
you sort of missed some stuff, so maybe we can... Oh, man, was that not good? See, no one actually wants it to be a minute, but that's what it would sound like. Okay, so what actually happens is, in this week's chapters, everybody heads back to King's Cross for the Hogwarts Express. But before Harry boards the Scarlet Steam Engine, he pulls Mr. Weasley aside and says, Hey, Draco Malfoy is acting incredibly shady. I think he's joined the Death Eaters and the Ministry should investigate this. Arthur's like, uh, yeah, sure, we'll look into that. He's 16, what the fuck is he gonna do? Uh, which 16-year-olds can get into some bullshit, so I don't even know why Arthur finds this to be very far-fetched. I mean, Harry was 11 the first time he touched Voldemort in the face and melted him. <laughs> so, yeah. At Hogwarts, you can get into all kinds of shit at age 16. I know. Well, basically, Arthur's rationale is that they already raided the Malfoy household, and if there had been any, like, fucked up evil artifacts there, they would have found it. Harry is telling Arthur about this encounter that they had in Borgen and Burks. And the Ministry has proven itself incredibly effective. Yeah, I know. And they never miss anything, so... <laughs> Nothing gets past those guys. <laughs> So Harry boards the Hogwarts Express, where he meets up with Neville Longbottom and Luna Lovegood. Luna wants to know if they're having DA meetings again. Harry's like, nah, we don't really need to do that anymore. And Neville and Luna are both sad, because it was like the most social interaction they got in like five years, basically. Everyone on the train is really interested in Harry once again. He's not like persona non grata, because now the Daily Prophet is calling him... The Chosen One, so some fucking giggling girls, like, want Harry to come sit in their compartment. And there's just a lot of giggling, and Harry's like, women are insubstantial, I'm gonna stay here. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So Harry gives Romilda Vane the cold shoulder. We'll probably see her again later. Wait, what happens with Romilda Vane? Romilda slips him the love potion. That's her? Yeah. You guys, I don't remember this book at but all. But Ron accidentally takes it. Holy in shit. In Harry's place. I yeah. forgot that was Romilda. Okay, I'm serious. I don't know what happens in this book. This is very fun for me. <laughs> Why is Half-Blood Prince so in the memory hole for you? I have no idea. It. I mean, it must have something to do with like when I read it or like, I don't know, but I just, what the fuck happens in this book? Well, we have two chapters coming up, and I don't know anything that is related to either of their titles. <laughs> what the fuck is the House of Gaunt? Anyway, moving on. Don't tell me. Okay, I won't. But I'm excited. Moving on, Harry and Neville both get invitations to dine with Professor Horace Slughorn in his compartment. It's the first. Is this an official meeting? Is this the first unofficial meeting of the Slug Club? I guess it's... Well, I think it's unofficial. Yeah, it's like the first unofficial meeting of the Slug Club. Also, Ginny gets an invitation to the Slug Club because Slughorn saw her use the Bat Bogey Hex on Zachariah Smith in the train corridor, so... He just thinks she's good at magic. Yeah. There's some fucking Slytherin dude there and a guy that, like, can't hold his pheasant, so... <laughs> You know, it's like, it's pretty awkward. Slughorn is sizing everyone up, including Neville, who he seems to be reserving judgment on. But his main goal is to find out what happened with Harry at the Ministry of Magic. And the spread seems pretty good. 
I mean, Horace Slughorn knows how to fucking Dude. put together a picnic. That's yeah, for man. Sure. He pulls out this fucking basket and he's like, everyone on this train has a role. Are you being Hercule? Yeah. Everyone on this train now has a roll. Okay. A bread roll. <laughs> Does wow. he even say that in the movie? This is definitely an end of day recording session. So the Hogwarts Express is about to roll into the station, but Harry decides that he wants to know more about what Draco has been up to. So he dons his invisibility cloak and trails Blaze Zabini a Slytherin who was invited to the Slug Club into the Slytherin compartment. He thinks he's being real smooth, but he's actually not. He wedges himself into the luggage compartment over their seats and eavesdrops on Draco's conversation with his fellow Slytherins. Basically, Draco has evil senioritis. He's like, I don't know if I'll even be back next year because the Dark Lord may have taken over everything and like, what will grades matter then? Um, and Panty Parkinson is stroking his hair a lot. Gross. <laughs> so the Slytherins leave, but Draco says, hey, I'm going to hang back. I got to check something. He then draws his wand, points it at Harry under cover of the invisibility cloak, and curses him with Petrificus Totalis. He suspected he was there the whole time. Harry falls out of the compartment and onto the floor. Draco says some fucking nasty things to him, and then stomps on his face and breaks his nose. And he covers him up with his own invisibility cloak, and he's like, you'll be back at London when they find you, like, asshole. So, damn, that fucking sucks. So Harry is petrified and bleeding on the midnight train to London, and wondering if anyone will find him. But before the train leaves... Tonks comes in, and she's been posted to Hogsmeade as part of the defense of Hogwarts, and noticed that Harry didn't leave the train. So, whew, they head back to school. Harry realizes that it's actually a fucking far walk from Hogsmeade to Hogwarts, uh, which actually he should know that because he used to take tunnels from Hogwarts to Hogsmeade, but whatever. That's a good point. It's like a very minor quibble. A micro quibble. A quiblet. A quiblet! Oh, that's cute. <laughs> a quiblito. Tonks conjures a Patronus to go tell the castle that they're on their way and not to worry about Harry. They get to the gate and are met there by Severus Snape, who is his usual self. He's like, oh, Potter, you just want to, like, make an entrance. He insults Tonks's new Patronus and says it looks weak as fuck. They head back to the Great Hall. Harry misses the sorting. Dumbledore has his usual round of staff announcements, including the fact that Slughorn will be taking over as Potions Master, not Defense Against the Dark Arts, and that the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher will be... Ba-ba-ba, motherfucking Severus Snape. So, shocked gasps. Everyone's like, oh, damn, that is a plot twist. <laughs> I mean, basically, you know, they're all choking on their French onion soup. And you did not think my French onion soup callback was funny at all. <laughs> I mean, no. We're going to get an onion soup reference in every episode now. Okay. That's going to be a thing we do. Oh, God. Okay. Sorry. Maybe not. Keep going. Well, don't cry about it. Onions? No. Oh, 
No, that one went right over Never my head. Never mind. I'm going to take that out. Um, I would have thought onion jokes would be appealing to you. <laughs> okay. Aw, oh, shit. I wish I hadn't laughed at that, but I, I super did. Well, it had layers. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, my God. I can't help it. I hate them, but I laugh. <laughs> and that's like... The big news. Also, the trio lament the fact that none of them signed up for Care of Magical Creatures this year, and Hagrid's probably gonna be super fucking sad about that. And everyone heads to bed, and that's what happens in this week's chapters. So yeah, not a minute, but shorter than usual. Well, I did it in one minute, just to prove that I could. I know. It was a little rough and rushed. But with some practice, I could get it to one minute. I've now proven that it's possible. For really short, boring chapters. I mean, I just talked about what happened in these chapters for like 14 minutes. They're not that boring, are they? They're not, They're like, pretty boring. They're not that interesting. They're pretty boring. They're, I found they're bridge chapters, chapters. Yeah. So, more giggling girls, like you said. Ramilda Vane. Women are in Her last name is Vane. I know. It's not subtle. <laughs> it is not subtle. Stuck up McVane, basically. <laughs> like Stuck up McSnobby, bitch. Yeah, like what? Yeah. Also, like, she kind of makes fun of Marietta for, like, wearing makeup over, like, the zits that are still there because Hermione is, like, a good witch, but also a bitch. <laughs> um, I, well, Marietta kind of deserves that. She sold people out pretty hard. Right. But... In an example of the treachery that female friendships can wreak... Yeah, so anyway, we can move on from this. Harry is finally, finally, for the first time in his sweet little life, right about Draco Malfoy and what that bitch is up to. I like the inversion of the past plots here, because the two red herrings, Draco and Snape, that we always get are, like, actually the main actors. Yeah, no, it's a fun, like, Finally, my God, it actually is Draco and Snape who are like up to no good. And obviously Snape's up to no good is like very complicated. But the people planning the like big moment, the big like, oh, what the fuck just happened? Are the exact people you think. Yeah. For the first time and finally. Also, the Slytherins are so boring. Yeah. Harry, like every time, and this is another good callback to Chamber of Secrets when Harry is always tailing Draco, but every time Harry is able to, like, listen in on them, it's never surprising. It's, like, exactly a Gryffindor's, like, stereotype of how a Slytherin would act. They're just, like... Evil, evil, evil. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha racism, racism. Yeah. yeah, like they're just openly bigoted and acting exactly the way Harry suspects they would be. And like boastful and obnoxious and unfunny and they have no interests. They're not even gossiping about anything interesting. I mean, kind of the possibility of Voldemort coming back. Like that's a big deal. I know, but like... They're just, like, not having good conversations. Yeah, They're not even I, I talking know. in an interesting way about Voldemort coming back. All the straight-up evil people in these books are fucking boring. Yeah, it's, it's the people really that are, like, dull. straddling the border between the two that are interesting. Or who are doing, like, all the secondary, inadvertently doing, like, evil shit. All the secondary villains are great. Yeah. 
none of the he who must not be named villains are very interesting. The like Umbridge, Gilderoy Lockhart, like all the fucking kind of ancillary weirdos are wonderful. Barty Crouch Jr. as Moody is way more interesting than just Barty Crouch Jr. as himself. Yeah. As soon as you're out in the open like pro-Nazi, you get like really boring in these books. I know. Their ideology is fucking boring. They're just like tenting their fingers a lot. I know. <laughs> it's really boring. Draco's friends suck. Yeah, they do. He has also like nothing in common with any of these people except being racist assholes. Uh, which I guess is a powerful bonding agent. But like he has no sort of personality traits in common with like Crab and Goyle, for example. Like he actually Blaze the Beauty makes sense as a Draco friend, but Blaze clearly hates Draco. Slytherins aren't here to make friends, I guess. Like everybody is like not even with each other. Out to get each other, and in you know like, and I guess it makes sense that people have attached themselves to Draco because his family's super fucking rich, and if Slytherins are defined by their relentless ambition, then he's someone that they would want to attach themselves to. But I mean. Here we finally have a new Slytherin, this Blaze the Beanie guy, who I don't even think it ever really goes anywhere. But here's a chance to, like, show us a different kind of Slytherin student. And he's also just kind of aloof and dickish. Yeah, Blaze the Beanie could be an interesting character. And we wish he was an interesting character because, like, we need an interesting Slytherin child so badly. And Blaze, like... Well, we'll get to this in a second, but he has, like, an interesting story. He's, like, devastatingly good-looking. He's got all these qualities that could make him, like, kind of a fun, maybe even, like, a love interest of a Gryffindor. Or, you know what I mean? Like, right. he's he's sort of fascinating. But, yeah, it turns out he's just another, like, boring Slytherin prick. Yeah. Here's a weird thing. What? It's... Pretty much unrelated, but it's still, like, Slytherin adjacent. Why is Rowling always making fun of Goyle's comic books? There's multiple times in these books, including this chapter, where either Crab or Goyle, I mean, they're basically interchangeable, is, like, reading a comic book, and it's kind of meant to show that... They're, like, too they're, stupid to read real books. They're, like, idiots. But it's like, girl, you're writing a fantasy novel. Yeah, <laughs> like that's really obnoxious. <laughs> I've never noticed that. Also, yeah, Harry can read the text on his comic book. I mean, at least he's reading. Yeah, that's what people say about Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, so. I know. But I mean, you know, comic books can be... Well, comic mm, books are also having a big renaissance right now. Multi-layered and interesting. And dude, maybe that's just what they like to read. That doesn't mean they're idiots. They are idiots. I just think it's kind of rich coming from like a middle grade fantasy writer to be like, look at these dumb idiots reading comic books. Yeah, I agree. But that's just a, that's another quiblet. Draco is such a moron. Malfoy shrugged. Mother wants me to complete my education, but personally, I don't see it as that important these days. I mean, think about it. When the Dark Lord takes over, is he going to care how many OWLs or any WTs anyone's got? Of course he isn't. It'll be all about the kind of service he received, the level of devotion he was shown. And you think you'll be able to do something for him? asked Zabini scathingly, sixteen years old and not even fully qualified yet. I've just said, haven't I? Maybe he doesn't care if I'm qualified. 
Maybe the job he wants me to do isn't something that you need to be qualified for, said Malfoy quietly. Crab and Goyle were both sitting with their mouths open like gargoyles. Pansy was gazing down at Malfoy as though she had never seen anything so awe-inspiring. He shouldn't be saying any of what he's saying. He's like basically like, oh yeah, by the way, Voldemort told me I have to kill Dumbledore. Like... Everything but that, yeah. He's... He has no chill! Once again, he's the worst possible person for a secret mission because he just loves to run his stupid little mouth. Yeah, I think part of it is he's genuinely nervous and afraid. I think he's genuinely fearful, and his boastfulness here is covering for that. Yeah, but like, he's so fucking lucky Snape bails him out. Also, he has no friends, so he's just desperately trying to connect with someone, and this is like the only way Slytherins, like, pay attention to make meaning to each other. This is like, not their love language, but... Their hate language? I I don't know. He's like trying to reach out in his own way, but of course no one is capable of providing him with some emotional support. Right, because they're all just like soulless. Like I get Pansy's going to like stroke his hair, but... Bad writing. Yeah, I I, I don't know. The Slytherins are so one-dimensional. I know. The scene where Draco like stomps on Harry's face is actually really disturbing. I know. Well, you're like... Is he going to choke to death on his own blood? He's on his back. He's been petrified. His nose is broken. Yeah, and he says, he's like, it's the disgusting feeling of blood slithering down Ugh. his throat from his nose. I know, it's like really violent, actually. It's it's very frightening. I, in the past, have suffered from sleep paralysis, which is where you are like basically frozen when you wake, but you've woken up and you can't move. And it's a really fucked up feeling, so... This scene kind of gives me the chills. Yeah. And it's shocking. It's genuinely shocking to have, because a lot of the violence in these books is kind of comic, like the bat bogey hex and the things students do to each other. It's shocking to have this visceral, physical violence. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's not with a wand. He just stomps his face. Yeah. Which is very, like... Yeah, it's a very, like, action movie moment. Mm-hmm. And it just, it ups the stakes nicely between these two. Yeah, well, because it's like, Draco has no fucks left to give. Yeah, they're not fucking around. Here's a question, though. Why doesn't Draco just take the fucking invisibility cloak? That thing is so valuable. Draco is so dumb. Always. That's the lesson of these books. Always take the cloak. Yeah. How much easier would the invisibility cloak make killing Dumbledore? A lot easier. (laughs) Instead, he's like, ha ha, no one's gonna find you. Except they'll eventually fucking find him. And he's just like playing a dumb prank rather than stealing the most valuable object in the entire wizarding world. Besides, I guess, arguably the fucking Elder Wand. (laughs) Um, I mean, and even if you didn't know that it was like the invisibility cloak, it's still clearly really rare and really valuable and really, really handy. Well, in Sorcerer's Stone, Ron is like, that thing is fucking priceless. Yeah. So Draco, once again, is just real dumb. Harry is reckless to tail him in, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, Harry's real dumb, too. These are two real dumb boys dumbing it up (laughs) like dum-dums. All right, let's talk about the Slug Club. Well, now, this is most pleasant, said Slughorn cozily. A chance to get to know you all a little better. Here, 
take a napkin. I've packed my own lunch. The trolley, as I remember it, is heavy on licorice wands, and a poor old man's digestive system isn't quite up to such things. Pheasant, Belby? Belby started and accepted what looked like half a cold pheasant. I was just telling young Marcus here that I had the pleasure of teaching his uncle Damocles. Slughorn told Harry and Neville, now passing around a basket of rolls. Outstanding wizard, outstanding, and his order of Merlin most well-deserved. Do you see much of your uncle, Marcus? Unfortunately, Belby had just taken a large mouthful of pheasant. In his haste to answer Slughorn, he swallowed too fast, turned purple, and began to choke. An apneo, said Slughorn calmly, pointing his wand at Belby, whose airway seemed to clear at once. The first iteration is, I mean, it's pretty low-key for Horace Slughorn. It's kind of random. He's just, like, going through his Rolodex and gradually finding everybody who's, like, the nephew or, like, distant second cousin of somebody he, like, thinks is famous. Man, he wastes no time, though. It's true. I gotta say, for being reluctantly recruited back to Hogwarts, he's like, all right, I'm diving back into this fucking whole hog. He's like, let's fucking network. (laughs) He really is... For all of the kind of, like, silly, like, oh, your uncle works for the ministry, he also is a true talent scout. He sees Ginny Weasley do one hex, and he's like, yeah, this girl's going places. And he's right. She becomes a professional Quidditch player. Yeah. This is, like, her trademark, right? A, this seems like an extreme curse to put on someone just because they got on your nerves. Like, your boogers turn into bats. I mean, it's hilarious. I I know, but that sounds like really, that sounds like a really disturbing sensation. And she's used this now multiple times. Well, all on boys who deserve it. That's true. I mean, I just like, that seems like a fairly serious thing to do someone just in like the train aisle. She is very, very, very much the twins sister. Yeah. Like she also has no fucks to give. But this is like her go-to, right? The Bat Bogey Hex is to Ginny what Expelliarmus is to Harry. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's a better go-to, I gotta say. That's true. It's a little it's more creative. It's less all-purpose, though. You can't Bat Bogey Hex like Voldemort. Although, that would be God, hilarious. that would be funny. He might like that, though, because I don't know. Bats he seems are, like, like he'd be into bats. Sort of scary. He'd Just like turn like... the bats into like evil bats or something and make like, them attack you. It matches his aesthetic, for sure. Yeah. His whole, like, Luke. She should hit Voldemort with a pick-me-puff bogey hex, where he's just, like... Covered in such cute puff balls. Sneezing out cute puffs. Yeah. So, the wildest thing in this scene goes completely unremarked upon, which is that Blaze Zabini's mom is famous for being a fucking black widow. (laughs) Slughorn is totally agnostic about what it is that made you famous or important because what his mother is famous for is being uncommonly beautiful and having seven previous husbands all of whom have died under mysterious circumstances and left her all their money she is the definition of a fucking black widow nothing gets past the ministry of magic man yo (laughs) no one's investigated this woman she's like a sexy murderess a 
kind of awesome, but B, not actually awesome. That's horrifying. <laughs> and Blaze Sabini is out here like, yeah, that's my mom. And it's like, she kills people. I don't know what to add to that. It's just other a than truly wild thing what? for which to have gotten famous. It's a it's a pretty extra detail to just randomly drop into and this chapter. And nobody comments on like, oh, I'm sorry, your mom is famous for killing people? Like, murdering her ex-husbands. Dude, Slytherins, it seems like, get away with a lot of bullshit. Well, yeah, I mean... All of these Death Eaters are just, like, hanging out on the train. So I guess you're not, like, officially a Death Eater, but, like, they're all Death Eater adjacent. But also, yeah, Blaze's mom, just a murderess. (laughs) Not proven, but, I mean, there's a pattern. Yeah, pretty dang suspicious. It's kind of nice that Neville gets invited, and it's kind of nice that he doesn't immediately think that Neville is, like, an imbecile who, like, doesn't deserve to be there. Dude, because, yeah, Slughorn actually can see like potential he sees upside also he really does he doesn't like actually just bring people into the slug club that are like finished products he's uh he's a recruiter yeah although he's obviously skeptical of neville well yeah but this is just his first pass obviously he's going to identify hermione pretty early on he is very smart to pass over ron (laughs) he's completely right about ron's level of upside which is zero ron's got He's got human being upside. He doesn't have, like, talent, smarts, fame upside. It's so cold, though, when Slughorn decides that he's going to write somebody off. He just, like, basically pretends they don't exist anymore. He does that to the... What's his face? Fucking Belby. In the scene, he's like, oh, you don't talk to your famous uncle anymore? Okay, no more pheasant for you. And basically, (laughs) like, snatches the pheasant out from the boy's hands. Poor guy. Anyway, yeah, Neville... Neville has upside. Neville also makes an interesting appearance in Harry's kind of daydreams as he's remembering and we are remembering kind of for the first time since the last book. Like, oh shit, Neville was like maybe also the chosen one. Yeah, Harry is sitting in the car pondering the vagaries of fate, thinking about how his life would be different if Voldemort had decided to go after Neville instead of him. He has this moment where he sort of wishes Neville were dead. While Neville recited his grays and wondered aloud whether he would be allowed to take a transfiguration N.E.W.T. with only an acceptable, Harry watched him without really listening. Neville's childhood had been blighted by Voldemort just as much as Harry's had, but Neville had no idea how close he had come to having Harry's destiny. The prophecy could have referred to either of them, yet, for his own inscrutable reasons, Voldemort had chosen to believe that Harry was the one meant. Had Voldemort chosen Neville, it would be Neville sitting opposite Harry, bearing the lightning-shaped scar and the weight of the prophecy. Or would it? Would Neville's mother have died to save him, as Lily had died for Harry? Surely she would, but what if she had been unable to stand between her son and Voldemort? Would there then have been no chosen one at all? An empty seat where Neville now sat, and a scarless Harry who would have been kissed goodbye by his own mother, not Ron's. You all right, Harry? You look funny, said Neville. Does he all the way wish that? He's like, if Voldemort decided Neville was the chosen one, showed up at his house, his mom couldn't protect him, and Voldemort just fucking killed him, 
then I would be just a regular kid showing up at the train and my mom would be kissing me goodbye instead of Mrs. Weasley. Well, also Voldemort would still be around. Yeah, that's the thing that's crazy about that whole daydream is it's like, yeah, but then Voldemort would have won and nobody would have any moms. Right. It would be like a hellscape. So, I don't know. But he does, yeah. I mean, and who can blame him for being like, I kind of wish it was fucking Neville, man. And then I wouldn't have to deal with any of this. I could just be regular. Poor Harry. Harry spends so much time just wanting to be a little bit more normal. I know. And he just can't catch a break on that front. He keeps getting more and more special. Neville's grandma is so hardcore because instead of being super mad at Neville for getting into the shenanigans at the Ministry of Magic, she is fucking psyched. She is the opposite of Narcissa Malfoy. She's like, come back with your shield or on it, basically. <laughs> like, Spartan grandmother. She's a true anti-dark arts extremist. She's like... Fuck yeah, put your ass on the line. Like, believe in something. Well, yeah, but also, I mean, his parents sacrificed their lives for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's just. And she's it's... just like looking at him constantly, just like, earn this. Which is a <laughs> lot of pressure. Earn this, Neville. But, uh, right? Yeah. No wonder Neville grows up kind of like timid and cautious and weird. He's his grandmother almost, is so intense. He's under. Harry doesn't have any like. Familial. Immediate relation who's like, you better fucking live up to this shit, bro. Yeah. No, that's extremely intense. Like, and in a way, there's more pressure on Neville. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's he has, like, serious, familial but... pressure. Whoa. Yeah, um... it's really intense. <laughs> but I love her. I mean, I don't think she's a bad person. I think she's, like, she's a little much, maybe. Yeah, man. But she loves him fiercely but she also you know she loved her son yeah i know and she's like he gave up his life for you like figure out how to make that worth his while that that's just intense it's super intense it's super intense i mean the entire world is telling harry that that's true i mean dumbledore himself is like you literally have to earn this because you have to kill voldemort good luck and then like ugh, fucking snape gets what he wants which is just annoying to me. <laughs> that's all. I mean, he's been putting in work for Dumbledore, so that's yeah. what this is, right? They Dumbledore knows that shit's going to go down at the end of this year or sooner, so he is he just like letting Snape like teach his favorite subject for once? As we have already discussed, I remember zero plot points in this book, so I genuinely couldn't tell you why Dumbledore does this. I think it's like a I think there's a reason other than just like like a reward like good job buddy no I I think there's a reason that has to do with like the cursed nature of the office like I think there's a reason that Snape needs to be like the last one but I don't remember what the fuck it is so please don't tell us this is so ironic but I don't want you guys to tweet me any spoilers even though I'm spoiling this shit left and right I genuinely don't remember and I kind of want to keep it that way for as long as possible I don't remember either So I guess we'll see. So Snape is terrible to Harry as usual, but Snape is very observant and he clearly knows what Harry was up to in the train with Draco. And there's just this weird inner game of Snape having to basically stop Harry from derailing Draco's plot while also trying to shield Draco from the consequences of being a moron of this plot. Yeah. You know, so just like Snape is like annoyed because he hates Harry Potter, but also because 
he and Dumbledore have a very specific plan for how this year is going to work. Well, and Harry Potter is just going to be uh, a meddling kid, as usual. It's true. The thing that's funny is Snape is like, honestly, Harry almost always foils this shit. Right. Like, by every accident. Every year so far, he's like, fucked up the plan. Because, but yeah, besides Dumbledore, Snape is the only one who's in the know. So, okay, minor, minor, minor credit to Snape. It's like, he's got a lot going on right now. It's just like, come on, so man. I can see can why you he's just a bit irascible. Go with the program for once? No, but that's the thing. Harry's never going to. And I think somewhere in Snape's heart, there's like a grudging respect for that fact. <laughs> he's just like, Harry's always going to go hard, and I'm just going to have to stop him from going hard. Well, all that impetuousness just reminds him of James, who is his true, like, arch enemy. Which is, like, also annoying, but whatever, James sucked, too. So they just, like, mutually sucked. (laughs) And none of that is Harry's fault, because he never even knew his father. And Snape needs to get a grip. But also, yeah, Snape's got got a lot on his plate, I would say. He does! Um, He also has to, like, murder his best friend later on. Yeah. Or not his best friend, but his sort of, like, probably his closest the person he's closest and with. ally. Yeah. And he's, like, doesn't super want to murder him. It's, like, very emotionally complicated for Snape. Dumbledore so, like, is the only person who knows the emotional truth of Snape. It's true. And even Dumbledore is surprised by, like, the level of continuing devotion to Lily. Because he asks the question that leads to the fucking annoying always line. <laughs> After all this time... Which, like, ugh, barf. But um, we'll get there. Yes, we will definitely get there. We'll probably devote a whole episode to that line. To always. To always. Yeah, Dumbledore is Snape's only intimate. It's true. It's true. And um, he has to kill him. And that sucks. That's complicated. Snape is carrying a fucking mental load this year. But he doesn't have to be such an asshole to everyone. I mean, that's just his, like... M.O., right? He's even mean to Tonks for literally no reason. Tonks is strictly fine. She doesn't antagonize him. She's like, ugh, I guess we're like doing this thing together and I don't care for you, but I'm not going to be mean to you. Dude, Snape's just a hater. He's such a hater. He's a hater. He is drinking eternally of the haterade. Yeah. In the fucking potions master, just mixing up haterade. (laughs) Now, class, we will be learning to make haterade. Oh my god. It's really sad that none of them are going to take care of magical creatures and Hagrid's going to be so bummed out. I mean, that class kind of sucked. Yeah, I know, but poor Hagrid. Well, actually, you know what? The class was inconsistent. Sometimes it was great. Vacillating wildly, depending on, like, Hagrid's moods. Yeah, the thing is, Hagrid just has a mood disorder that, and a alcohol problem that makes it really difficult much like a star is born (laughs) for his performance to be remotely consistent uh well yeah yeah it's either calling it the fuck back it's either nifflers or flobber worms you know there's nothing in between who's your unsung hero my unsung hero is poor fucking belby who just he was enjoying his ride to hogwarts He was probably looking forward to the snack trolley. He gets this fucking invitation to the slug club because he has this famous uncle that the family is estranged from. And he chokes on his pheasant. He chokes on his pheasant. And I just, I don't know if this makes him heroic, but. I don't know. He's like an everyday hero who just is like undergoing like a sort of small but smarting indignity. and And he bears it. 
bears it. He bears it. But he's like, I don't know what is going on here or what weird psychodrama <laughs> you've pulled me into. <laughs> Harry Potter's here, so I know that can't be good. Like, <laughs> I... I don't want to be within like a hundred fucking yards of this guy because like <laughs> shit always goes down. Uh, at least I'm getting like a free lunch. But now you're going to interrogate me about probably a really fraught family situation. <laughs> like, jeez, man, just let me let me go back let to the me snack eat trolley. A cauldron yeah, cake give like me a regular kid. <laughs> yeah. Poor fucking Belby. Oh, Belby probably fucking dies in the Wizarding War, too. So none yeah. of these kids. Marcus Belby, may he rest. I don't know if that. I don't know what happens to Marcus Belby. He does. <laughs> Just, he well, he almost it. chokes to death on some pheasant, but fucking Slughorn is like Johnny on the spot. My unsung hero is Nymphadora Tonks, who, thank God, is paying some fucking attention notices Harry doesn't get off the train and is like, that's not good. And then notices that the compartment has like its shades down. It's the only one. And she's like, that's not good. And she goes and finds him. She's a really good Auror because in addition to magic, she has some basic investigative skills. (laughs) This is some muggle police work. Here's a question I have. Why the fuck can't she just tell the conductor to stop the train? They have to like, jump onto the platform while the train is like pulling out of the station she's gonna what like run up the entire train and be like hey wait stop no you can send a fucking astral projection patronus dude to be like hey yo she already sent her patronus somewhere else yeah after she retrieved harry and they got off the train i think it's cooler that they jump off the train yeah but it doesn't just tell the conductor to fucking stop. What? The Hogwarts Express has somewhere else to be? It makes two fucking trips a year. That's Why does true. it even go back to London? I don't know. It should probably just sit at Hogsmeade. It doesn't make a ton of sense. You're like, right. It should sit and wait for the kids to get on at Christmas time. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't even really make sense that they use a fucking steam engine to travel between London and Hogwarts, <laughs> and it only has one departure time. If we have decided anything from reading five and a quarter of these books, it is that none of the ways that wizards get around make any sense. I guess it's a security measure because there are very few ways to get into Hogwarts. Yeah. But even so, just build a fucking jumbo fireplace in Hogsmeade and flew everyone there. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, none of this makes sense. It's only for... Aesthetics. Wizards just fucking love a scenic train ride. I mean, which so I mean, do you and I. I don't blame them. It sounds like it sounds nice, it sounds but really pleasant. You know, there's no reason it's for them nice, to like... jump from the moving train onto the compartment. Just tell the conductor to stop. It's a good bridge chapter. Always, the Hogwarts Express adds a lot narratively. That's... I, you know. Speaking of the Hogwarts Express, this episode is brought to you by. The Hogwarts Express. Available for rental 363 days a year. Corporate parties, bar mitzvahs, <laughs> you name it. Werewolf bar mitzvahs. Yeah, werewolf bar mitzvahs. The Weasleys should, like, buy, like, a stake in the Hogwarts Express. Like, whatever fucking national... I guess it's probably a nationalized rail company. Yeah, I everything imagine is nationalized. it's not a private rail. But they should fucking just rent this thing out. 
for like a Weasley Wizard Weezes corporate party. Or even Dude, that just, sounds wild. I, I mean, that sounds intense. Even just like muggle parties. Like there's nothing particularly magic about this train. That's true. It's a fucking steam engine. It runs on muggle power. Yeah. It's a steam engine. It's true. It's true. It's not even magically locomoted. No. Is locomoted a verb? It is now. Well, it is now. Yeah. It's not. There's not even magical propo- magical propulsion. They fucking heat water and use the steam to drive it to turn the fucking wheels you're right that's that's how, how steam it works, power works. Right. <laughs> the audiobook clips that you heard are courtesy of penguin random house audio they are from jim dale's performance of harry potter and the half-blood prince do all the shit you do on social media and with podcasts rate review subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever else you like Find us on social, email us, quibblerpodcast at gmail.com. Sign up for our occasional newsletter, tinyletter.com slash quibblerpodcast. Y'all know all this shit. Um, And reach out however you would like. We are here for it. Next week, we will be reading the chapters called The Half-Blood Prince. I love it when the title is in the chapter title. And The House of Gaunt. And I don't know what that fucking chapter is about at all. So everybody get ready for Heather to learn what happens in Half-Blood Prince. Thanks, amigos. Professor Snape, meanwhile, will be taking over the position of defense against the dark arts teacher. No, said Harry so loudly that many heads turned in his direction. Though he was as close as he could get to Zabini without touching him, Harry was not quick enough to slip into the compartment when Zabini opened the door. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Zabini was already sliding it shut when Harry hastily stuck out his foot to prevent it closing. What's wrong with this thing? said Zabini angrily as he smashed the sliding door repeatedly into Harry's foot. Harry seized the door and pushed it open hard. Ladies and gentlemen, for your safety, please do not block or hold the car doors while the train is in the station, and please do not lean against the doors. Quibbler still going strong then? asked Harry, who felt a certain fondness for the magazine. Oh yes, circulation's well up.